you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. We are in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, this is God's Word. Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble. Not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing, since you were called for this, so that you may inherit a blessing. For the one who wants to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit, and let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. Who then will harm you if you're devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient, when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it, a few, that is eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Finally, All of you, please notice that. Sometimes when we are reading the scriptures, we think, well, this doesn't really apply to me. Well, that's not really for me. Well, this was for them. This is for all of us, okay? Usually when we try and think that doesn't apply to us, we're just trying to avoid dealing with what God is saying. But here, the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Peter doesn't give us that option. All of you, be like-minded and sympathetic. 
love one another and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. On the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. We are to live now in light of what we know about the future. I have many times over the years shared the illustration of the oldest of the three children we adopted from Ukraine, who was not a Christian at the time, but who, through the grace of God, displayed exactly the sort of mindset that Christians ought to display in the way that he responded when he found out he was going to be adopted by a family in America. He began giving away his stuff. His most prized possessions, and he was dirt poor living in an orphanage, but his most prized possessions he began to give to other kids in the orphanage. Why? Because he had been given a promise by people he'd never seen, but he'd been given a promise that he was going to be leaving where he was and going to a better place where all of his needs would be taken care of. And he believed that word. And so he acted on it. In light of what he anticipated in the future, he began to live in the here and now as one who didn't cling to his stuff, but instead gave generously because he believed the promise. Folks, if an unsaved orphan in Ukraine can behave that way, how much more we as children of God who have the scriptures, who have the Holy Spirit living in us, need to do what this says. The way that we treat other people should be based on what God has done for us, is doing in us, and will do for eternity. That should control our conduct. Therefore, be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. We're going to be inheriting something so much better than anything in this life. What could anyone in this life possibly do to us? that would cause us to feel justified in behaving in an unchristian manner. You are listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. Pastor Wood is a popular speaker for family and marriage retreats, conferences, and pro-life fundraisers. If you are planning an event, a retreat, or conference, and would like to invite Pastor Wood to speak or teach, please visit wvr.org and fill out our speaker request form. At this site, you'll also find over a dozen books authored by Pastor Wood and his wife, Susan. Again, please visit wvr.org today. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is And he's holding out his hand But the 
The one who wants to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Notice, turn away from evil. What do you do if you're in a situation and you realize, hey, this isn't right? Get away from there. Get out of that. Don't stay in it and say, you know, this, this really isn't right. This, this, this isn't good. Years ago, I was hiking up a mountain with a young lady from Louisiana that I was just getting to know. I'm now married to her. But we were hiking up the mountain together, just getting acquainted. We'd never held hands. Um, and uh, we were having some wonderful deep conversations about the Lord and his call on our lives. And we had found out on that hike already at that point that I'd written a paper in college about wanting to have a children's home someday. And she had written a paper in college about wanting to have a children's home someday. And it was becoming clear to both of us that we were going to be spending the rest of our lives serving God together. But as I hiked up this trail, I stepped off the trail for just a moment in order to enjoy this beautiful view of the valley below. And as I stood there, my gaze fell to the space between my feet where there was what turned out to be a five-foot-long timber rattler coiled and potentially ready to strike. Now, that would have been a very bad day if it had bitten me. But when I saw it, I didn't say, oh my goodness, there's a giant timber rattler coiled up between my feet. That is really remarkable. I was looking out at the valley below, and I was saying to Susan, who was a little further down the trail behind me, I was the trailblazer, you know, going on ahead. She's a little further down. It was fairly steep country. And um, I was saying, Susie, you've got to see this. This is just absolutely magnificent. And then I took this flying leap through the air. Without a word, I simply, when I saw the snake, went and dove down the path and grabbed hold of her and began saying, Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, she didn't know about the snake. <laughs> and as I say, I'd never even held her hand. So this was a rather abrupt change in behavior and a little hard for her to understand what was going on. I don't want to say that it was a snake that brought us together. <laughs> but I will say this. If you encounter something that is evil, get out of there. Get out of there. Don't stand there and say, gee, this could turn out badly. Get out. Turn away from evil. And do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Why? Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. Do you want to be on the same side as God? You want to get on his side? Do what is right. Do what you know he wants you to do and don't do stuff that you know God hates. Don't lie. Don't practice deceit. 
Don't curse those who curse you. Don't pay back evil for evil. Instead, be compassionate and humble. Don't insult those who insult you. Who will harm you if you're devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated. But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy. And be ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. We're living in a world where so many people are without hope. And one of the things that should mark Christians and cause the world to wonder is that we have hope. The brightest future for me is when I go to be with the Lord. Is that true for you? Do you know him? Do you know that he loves you? Have you trusted him? Can you look forward to the future knowing that whether you live or you die, you're going to be okay? That's what he's talking about here. Even if you should suffer for righteousness, you're blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. We need to be living in such a way that people want our hope. So that people who feel hopeless and despairing will want to know what is the reason for the hope that is in you. That's what happened with Lou Silva at Children's Hospital when our son was awaiting surgery and my wife was holding him and rocking him and comforting him and singing softly, Jesus loves me, this I know. Lou Silva stepped out into the hall and angrily asked her, how can you be so peaceful and so happy when your child is going through this? Lou has been a supporter of the ranch for many years because he got saved that night. People should wonder why when tragedy befalls us, we don't fall apart. It's not that we don't grieve. It's not that we don't hurt. It's not that we don't weep. It's that all of that is transcended by the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And so we can give an answer for the reason, for the hope that is in us. Do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. There will be people, if you do the right thing, who will make fun of you. They'll disparage you. That's what that word means. It means that they say, oh, that's, that person's an idiot. They're a fool. What is the matter with them? Why would they be that way? He says, but the day will come when they will be put to shame. Because the truth is going to be revealed. Jesus is coming again. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is better, verse 17, to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. You can't escape suffering in this world. But do you want to suffer because you messed up, or do you want to suffer because you're being persecuted for righteousness' sake? If you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Rejoice, for this is the way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
And this is what Christ endured for us. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all. Not for his sins, he never sinned. He suffered for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient, when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it, a few, that is eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. There's so much there. Do I dare try and unpack this quickly? Let me hit a few points. Number one, the theme is Christ suffering and victory. And you and I, when we suffer for righteousness, are identified with him. And we should recognize God's mercy and grace toward us and not complain about what we suffer because Jesus has gone before us. Now, when it says he was made alive by the Spirit. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation of the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. What, what is that talking about? Get 12 commentaries and you'll get three answers. Okay? Uh, one view is that this is a reference to the fact that the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ, was speaking through Noah to the people of his generation and giving them the opportunity to repent. That's a very defensible, orthodox, and non-spooky idea. And, and many folks embrace that and believe that's the thrust of that verse. The second is that it refers to angelic beings and um, that there was proclamation made to them to basically announce Christ's victory, having conquered death by death, having paid for our sins there on the cross. That, I think, is perhaps a more consistent view. The third is that people who were in hell got a second chance after Jesus died. He went down and preached to them and gave them an opportunity to repent. That not only is without foundation scripturally, but it contradicts a bunch of scripture, so you can throw that possibility away. But none of that is the point here. That's a sidebar. That's something he's mentioning. The focus is on Christ having suffered and through his suffering accomplished our salvation. In the next chapter, he's going to go back to the fact of Christ's suffering. But the point is, when we suffer, we should not think, oh no, it's all falling apart. We should realize this is consistent with what happened to Christ who lived perfectly and what he told us would happen to us when we walk in obedience to him. And it is not our defeat. It is our sharing in what he did. He is manifesting his life in and through us. 
Saul of Tarsus heard the Lord on the road to Damascus saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, who are you, Lord? Jesus said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. Saul was persecuting Christians. But Jesus says, when you touch them, you're touching me. When you persecute them, you're persecuting me. We are joined with him in his suffering. And then Peter speaks of baptism and compares it to the ark. But I want you to notice one phrase here that to me is just glorious and often overlooked. God patiently waited in the days of Noah. God had decreed that he was going to destroy the human race with the exception of those he saved. But he patiently waited to do it while salvation was being prepared for Noah and his family. God was going to save eight people in all. But he waited and waited and waited patiently in the same way God, even now, is waiting patiently. 2 Peter chapter 3 deals with this. Don't think that God is slow concerning his promise. He's patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to eternal life. He is giving opportunity for more people to be saved. Some of you would not be going to heaven if the Lord Jesus had come a year ago. Think about it. I mean, I've been praying since I was your age. Come quickly, Jesus. But if Jesus had come last year, some of you would be in hell. It is the Lord's patience that causes him to wait. And when we endure hardship, when we endure persecution, we need to realize God is at work, and our salvation is sure. Look at what happened with Jesus, having suffered in that way. He has now gone into heaven, verse 22, and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. Okay, one final note. Baptism, which saves you. Sorry, we don't have time for that. No, just kidding. Let me say this. You're not saved by water baptism. Water baptism is a picture of what saves you. Uh, has, has anybody ever seen a, a minivan, let's say, with a, a bunch of stick figures on the back? Okay? Some of you may have that on your vehicles. Okay? It's, it's stick figures. Now, I don't have that on my vehicle. But suppose that I did. And, and you asked me, what's that? And I said to you, oh, that's my family. Okay? Would you go away thinking, poor man. All he has for a family are little stick figures about this tall. Is that what you'd think? When I say, this is my family, you know, oh, that's a picture of my family. Well, baptism doesn't save you. It's a picture of what saves you. What saves you? Our union with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. That is what baptism is. It is a picture of what saves you. 
Jesus at Passover took bread, gave thanks, broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. It's a picture. He gave them the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's a picture. So when you read that, please don't think that you're saved by water baptism. You're not. Water baptism is a picture of what saves you. Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection for you, that saves. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number. 866-41-ABIDE or contact us on the web at wvr.org.